Welcome to Leadership Requested. I'm your host, Jen Rebar. In this podcast, we introduce you to leaders from all over the world who share their personal stories of triumph and tribulations. They let you into their lives and discuss their unique path to becoming the leaders they are today. Thank you for tuning in. We want everyone to know that they have the skills and life experience to become leaders in their personal lives, homes, workplaces, and communities. New episodes of Leadership Requested come out every single Wednesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcast directory. In this episode of Leadership Requested, Juliana takes over the mic as we talk to our very first young leader. Like many students right now, Helen Wagner is a junior who is struggling with planning for her future during a very unsettling time. I've had the pleasure of watching Helen mature into a marvelous young woman. When we created Leadership Requested, we wanted it to be a platform for leaders in every single walk of life. And our high school and college years are some of the most important parts of our lives. Those choices that we make cause a huge ripple effect on the rest of our lives. And sometimes we're too young to notice and we choose some poor options in our lives that we end up having to recover from. We decided to choose Helen as our first young leader to work with because she's remained focused on her goals throughout um, middle school and into her high school years. And not only has she remained focused on herself and her goals, but she's also been helping others, including animals, throughout some of her own challenging and also other people's challenging experiences. She's an inspiration to us, and I think she'll be an inspiration to you. So in the spirit of leadership, I'm going to go ahead and let these two young ladies handle everything. Um, They've handled the creation of the entire episode. From the questions to the editing, they did it all. So you're just going to hear their entire conversation. I'm incredibly proud of these two young women for being such superstars. I know I'm completely biased, but I think after listening, you'll agree. Enjoy. So I really got into leadership because of some hardships that I faced, which I will get into quickly. Uh, I had also seen my friends struggle quite a bit with certain things, and I really wanted to help them get through those places that I'm familiar with. And I felt that it was nice to, you know, sit down and talk to my friends and let them know it's okay and that it's going to get easier. So what are some lessons that you learned from becoming a leader? I learned that it's important to sit down and really look at what's going on around you. I remember in elementary school, I was bullied for five years and I just kind of had to look at what happened to me and come to terms with that. I had to get angry. I had to get sad and process those emotions to really understand the situation itself. It took quite a bit of time as, you know, it should, but I had realized that in order for me to help other people, I have to come to terms with what had happened to me. And honestly, I had to also look at, you know, situations with my friends to understand what they were going through. And it it takes time to comprehend everything that's going on and make a plan to to get better with all of that. So you turned to leadership to help your friends and help yourself. Yeah, I just wanted things to, you know, get better. And I hated seeing my friends in a sort of dark place. 
and, you know, struggling with what had happened with them and me as well. As you grew up learning leadership, how did that affect your life? How did that affect your friends? Uh, well, I ended up maturing pretty quickly, unfortunately. <laughs> so I wasn't in that, like, you know, kitty play with doll stage very long. And I had seen some things happen with friends, and I just wanted to see them happy. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted them to get better. So I ended up pretty quickly just being that, you know, stereotypical mom friend, always <laughs> there to, you know, give out hugs and the good, the good vibes. Good vibes. <laughs> so from the time you were little, you struggled with bullying. How did that change your goals in life? It didn't change too much, but it. I realized that I wanted to be a, a better person overall, very kind, and I, I never wanted to, to snap at people. And I realized it's best to just take it one day at a time and kind of look at what I need to be doing. So you focused up because you had to. You had to grow up and you had to learn and to help people. Did others help you? I have had several friends, you know, help me out through that. Luckily, when, you know, I was dealing with some bullying, I had a couple friends kind of stick up for me, and that really helped out a lot, which really motivates me to step in in a situation where someone's being treated wrongly, as I was. So you go into the world thinking about help, helping to treat people better. How has that affected your life? How, what does that look like? It just, I always want to stop on the side of the road, you know, if I see someone struggling with something or even an animal, you know, and I always have that mindset of, well, I don't know what this person is going through. So I'm just going to, you know, take it easy with them. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to just calm down and help them calm down if they're in a tough situation, you know, and someone's at like McDonald's and they get <laughs> upset with these poor workers who aren't being paid enough to be sitting there dealing with that. I know that they've had some struggles and I don't want to be that kind of person who makes their day even worse. So it was always a part of you to help people and always be a leader in your, in just your social life. How have you been a leader academically? When it comes to academics, I always have to check in on friends who are really struggling with their workload as most of us are and I make sure that they're going to get through it they're going to get their homework done and everything will be fine I have to you know really reassure people that even if you fail the test if you fail the class you're not going to die you'll be okay it's just one test it's just one class it's not that much to really stress over and it's really important to realize that it's not a make or break thing when it comes to that that one failure and you have to really push through and persevere when it comes to when it comes to schoolwork. Do you have a specific story of maybe when you've taken charge in school or helped your friends take charge? <laughs> so I took in um, a math class that I'm actually still currently taking. It's two years long and it's uh, IB math. And oh boy, is the whole class struggling. <laughs> We started with maybe 20 to 30 people, and then it slowly dwindled down to the, to the nine of us left. And I remember 
we had maybe 15 people in the middle of the year and everybody just wasn't catching on with the certain unit. I think it was uh, statistics and with my teacher, I won't name him <laughs> for personal reasons, but he wasn't the kindest person when it came to that. And he would like to put people on the spot. He would like to kind of clown on others when it came to not knowing the answer. And he would really push everybody in that class to the point where several of my classmates would just sit there and cry because there was nothing else to do. So eventually came time for the test. So eventually it came time for us to take that test. And I had been absent uh, for a week before that. And, you know, he taught everything so quickly, so I never really got to catch up with that. And not only was I struggling, the entire class was, as I had previously mentioned, people were crying, nobody understood the homework. We would all get maybe 10 out of 50 on our homework assignments, and we just had to redo them until we got it right. So we were all struggling. We were begging him not to take this test, and I had to just sit down with him and say, listen, I know you don't want to push back our schedule any further, but we are actually going to fail this test if we all take it right now. And I, I just, I want you to understand that you can't be pushing us to take a test that none of us are prepared for. And you know that you've seen our homework, you've seen us in class, you've seen us cry. And I think he did move back that test, luckily. But it's been like that for multiple units in that class where we all fail the homework. And then when it comes time for the test, we get C's and D's. And there were definitely some F's for uh, some students, but it's just, I don't understand sometimes with teachers not really comprehending that their students genuinely can't do something. And it's important to actually speak up and have a talk with them, just sit down for a conversation and let them understand that it's important to actually listen to what the students are going through. So how did you take charge of that situation? Did you start a study group? Unfortunately, uh, I couldn't start a study group because not only was I not well-versed in the, the subject matter itself, I had to take the city bus home at a certain time, so I just had to leave immediately after school, if I didn't have a club at least. So we had tutoring in the library, which he never really helped out with. <laughs> Uh, but I definitely know there were two students in that class who were genuinely good at helping us understand the topic. So they would all get together in the library one day. They would sit down and just make sure we understood the subject as well as they did. So you said you're in the IB program. What's that? So the IB program stands for uh, International Baccalaureate. And it's an advanced course well, that will get you an IB diploma. And it's supposed to prepare you for college and it helps you study abroad because the diploma that you get is accepted pretty much internationally. So what's an example of the coursework or your daily tasks in that program? Uh, so pretty much we have a language class, an IB language class. And at my school, you can take either French or Spanish. And well, I, well, I never got to take the necessary tests because of coronavirus. So I only took the oral exam uh, over a Zoom call, <laughs> but usually that entails detailed articles in that language with 
uh, a listening, a speaking, and a writing final with uh, reading comprehension questions as well. And then there's English, science. Science you can split up either physics or bio, and there's just a whole lot in that. But uh, there's history. I think it's world history for IB. And then there's also American history at my school. And then for math, there's a statistics course and a more calculus-based course. And unfortunately, it's brand new and we are the guinea pigs. <laughs> so our textbooks have many errors and are honestly unusable. <laughs> and then after that, there's TOK, which it stands for Theory of Knowledge. And it's a lot of philosophy, ethical questions that you have to discuss. And I'm pretty sure there's an essay and a presentation that goes with that as well. And then there's the sixth area, which includes a lot of different courses that you can choose from. There's art psychology and just like math no not math there's engineering that kind of stuff just you know elective type classes but I unfortunately chose art <laughs> so this is a fun question that I know I as we're both juniors graduating juniors how has the coronavirus affected your specific program it's really pushed back my studies quite a bit because there were very important topics that we had to cover in March and honestly until the end of the school year. And we have things called internal assessments that are honestly kind of like a final for your class. And it determines at least 20% of your final IB grade, which determines whether or not you get your diploma. And we were supposed to talk about what to do with those and how to do that and how to get your ideas going. And so all of us are clueless. We don't know how to do that because our teachers never really went over that properly, for math at least. Biology, same thing. We haven't gone over history and English for that, but there's also the extended essay that we were supposed to do. And it's something that they wanted us to do over the summer so we could turn in the beginning of senior year. And it's a f at least 4,000 word essay, at most, my bad. It's an at most 4,000 word essay. And we don't know any of our topics. We were supposed to have a three week workshop for that in May, which obviously didn't happen. So we're all just kind of stuck, not knowing how our schedule is going to look next year, how we're going to cover so much information and getting all this work done next year when we have so little time. So it's made everybody ill-prepared for things that you might need next year. Oh, absolutely. And that is so stressful just to think about, especially because we don't know if we're going to be in school in person, which is something that I desperately need. I can't read my math textbook with a million errors and just understand that. I need my teachers to sit down and actually teach me something. <laughs> so that goes into my next question. How do you time manage in school and obviously now with this big change out of school? I honestly haven't mastered the out of school part, so I'm going to mainly focus on in school. It's important to make a list. I like to sit down and just think about every single little paper I have to get done. And I'll write it down and I'll just start with the smallest ones. And I'll you usually breeze through those until I get to the bigger ones and then I have to think, okay, here's how much time I should be working on this. And I just need to focus enough to get that done, which is a difficult task. I have to admit it's what I struggle with the most. And out of school, really not easy. <laughs> it's a lot of phone time, you know, screen time, getting distracted by all of that. 
And sitting down is really not an easy task when it comes to being at home, you know, just laying in bed, distracted all day. But making a list is the most effective way and just realizing you have to get that done. What is something that you've learned with being in this IB program? I've learned that it's important to focus in school and not get distracted by every little thing that's going on around you. Personally, I had a very hard time with that until I realized if I don't get this done, I'm not going to get my dream job, I'm not going to succeed in life, and I just need to sit down and get it done and quit complaining about it. What do you think gave you that wake-up call? Was there a specific moment? The end of second semester, I mean, the end of first semester, I kind of realized if I don't get it together, I'm not going to get my IB diploma, and I'm not going to be able to afford college, really, out of state, at least. And if I don't do that, I'm not going to get the job that I desperately want. I'm just going to sit there miserable in life. How does the IB program, the IB program is more work in different courses. How is it preparing you for the future? It's definitely more college-like when it comes to not just the coursework itself, but what we're actually trying to learn. So I've realized, okay, this is going to be pretty similar to college. And if I don't get it together, I'm not going to be able to actually get through university. And I'm just going to waste my money (laughs) that I don't have on just doing absolutely nothing all the time. So it's important to realize, okay, this is what I need to do. Here's how I'm going to do that. And I sort of plan it out. So what is your dream career? What are you working towards? What are you working at? Right now, I really want to be a marine biologist. And I say right now because things can definitely change. And although that's what I'm so incredibly passionate about, I may not have the money or the scholarships to go out of state for that. So when it comes to marine biology, I really got into it with Finding Nemo when I was like four years old. And I watched that non-stop and I just thought it was the cutest little thing ever and as I grew older I just continued to watch documentaries not just about marine biology but animals in general to the point where I started volunteering at a raptor rehab center which is very cool but I don't think it's necessarily the path that I want to choose which is what steered me towards marine biology. What do you do in this raptor rehab center (laughs) as volunteer work? So I mainly start with uh, the food preparation which is unfortunately uh, we have to take the stomachs and intestines out of the mice and rats that they eat, which is a a tough job and it took a lot of getting used to because, you know, that's gross. (laughs) Uh, But apart from that, sometimes I would be in the clinic and I would help out with medications when it comes to giving the birds shots and putting creams on whatever wound they had. There was also feeding, whether it's babies, which so cute. (laughs) Babies and then the adults would feed the hawks and the diurnal birds at around two, so I would help with that. And then there's a lot of cleaning involved, which, you know, just going in and scrubbing the cages and being aware of, you know, where the birds are, not to stress them out too much. How do you think this volunteer work has helped you become a better leader? It really helps me put things in perspective when it comes to certain situations. Like, I see birds that come in who are poisoned because they eat like a rat or a bird that had been poisoned by people, you know, trying to get them just out of their house or whatever. So I realized that things can get pretty bad and it's important to look at that and be like, okay, (laughs) I gotta take it easy with this. And it's a very sensitive thing. I don't want to, you know, hurt any 
any animals I don't want to... are there any people who would you say who you would say were inspiring to you or helped you to become the leader you are today I don't exactly remember her name but uh, there's an author who wrote a book called Wesley the Owl and I read it when I was probably like 10 years old and it was one of the cutest little books I had read uh she was working at Caltech and she took she saw this owl um on the side of the road I think it was and it had become very attached to her and it looked at her first as a mother and then as a mate (laughs) but it was just a very touching story and I saw how she cared so much for these animals and the same goes for my mom who just got her PhD recently for climatology she worked so hard for so long and she managed to get her dream job. And I just think seeing her achieve her lifelong goal. So your mom's work ethic helped you want to have a strong work ethic also? I would say so. <laughs> I just remember seeing her come home from school or work and just be absolutely depleted. But she would still get up and she'd still go to her computer because she had to get things done with her deadlines. Do you relate to that? You relate to being burned out and still working hard? (laughs) Absolutely. I just get home from school after an hour on public transportation and all I want to do is take a nap, grab a snack, eat something, and just go to bed. But I realize if I want to do what I want to do, I just need to get it done. What do you think has changed between starting, starting your leadership journey I've become, I want to say a better person. I wasn't necessarily a bad person before, but I've come to be very understanding. And after everything that's happened, I just want people to know that they are okay where they are and it's all right to struggle. So I'm just very, so when I was maybe eight years old, I was being bullied by people and I would just snap right back at them, kind of defensive. And I was afraid that people were going to think that I was just some mean girl you know mean weird little girl (laughs) and I didn't want that to be what I was known for and as I grew up it just kept happening and I would retaliate I'd snap back at these people who were bothering me and it got to the point where I was like oh that's probably not the thing to do (laughs) when I kind of turned towards leadership I realized that I don't know what they're going through and they're probably taking it out on me whatever they go through And it's important to understand that I don't know everything that people are struggling with. And I have to be kind and accepting and understanding even when they're pretty harsh with me. The same thing goes for my grandmother (laughs) and my grandpa. Uh, They would kind of snap at me and I would have to just take that because I knew they were probably going through something and it wasn't necessarily me that was the issue. I just had to sit down and talk with them and be like, I don't know what you're going through, but I won't won't do this. I won't retaliate and snap back with you. What are some of your day-to-day challenges preparing yourself for a career and for college? Usually I have to just look at what I need to achieve, not only degree-wise, but I'll sit down and I'll just look at colleges that are good and not necessarily cheap, but affordable and I... I have to just kind of realize that I'm not going to get into Duke University, Mm -hmm. but I have to set reasonable goals for myself for the day. Looking at colleges, and then I have to remind myself that I'm still in school, and I have to get work done, so I'll do a little bit of art 
for my portfolio. But overall, I just sit down and I think, if I don't do this, I won't reach my dream, which is important. What would your advice be to other people who are preparing themselves for college or for a big change? I would say take time for yourself. Do a little me time. (laughs) You know, it's important. I say that a lot. It's necessary to relax and just focus on yourself sometimes. There's nothing wrong with a little manicure, a pedicure, (laughs) but you have to look at the situation and be like, all right, here's what's going to happen. Here's how I'll deal with that. There's a lot of planning that should be done when it comes to that. Not necessarily like rigorous planning, but you know, here's how I'll deal with that. And setting up little boundaries in case something goes wrong. If you're feeling a little bit upset with what's happening, just feel that, feel that anger and feel that, (laughs) that sadness. Personally, when I'm feeling burnt out like that, I end up taking a day or two to myself and I'll, I'll do my makeup. (laughs) I'll just relax and maybe I'll, I'll clean. Sometimes cleaning is therapeutic. You know, a little bit of vacuuming never hurt anybody. So I'll, I'll vacuum the house or something like that. And it's, important to just sit down with maybe my dog and I'll relax with my cat. I remember I was going through a bit of a hard time freshman year. Um, Someone had passed away and it kind of hit me pretty hard. So I would go home after school and I would just sit there and I would cry because I was just devastated by what had happened. And I realized that that was probably not the healthiest thing to do because I wasn't focusing on school like I should have been. So I decided I'm just going to spend the weekend with my cat and I'm going to relax. I'm going to take time. I'm going to do my nails. Everything will be okay. And I had to remind myself of that. It's hard to really think about the future when you're in a situation like that. And it's important to think about people around you and how they are there for you. And if you need help, that's perfectly okay. At the end of the day, what do you find rewarding about this? The most rewarding thing to me is just getting to be with people that I love and knowing that if I get everything done in a timely manner, I'll have time to spend with family and friends. And although it's hard to get through, it's hard to just sit down and actually work on something. It's important to do that so you'll have extra time to spend with people. And in, when I was in school, maybe a year ago, I was just so focused on math and biology that I would never really talk to my friends and I would never spend time with my family. And they were always like, man, I don't know where you are, but please, can you come downstairs for dinner? <laughs> and it's difficult getting through that because it feels like you're so alone when it comes to just being so wrapped up in work and stressed out. It feels like the end of the world, as dramatic as that is, (laughs) because I was genuinely terrified that I was going to fail my math class and that I was going to lose all my scholarships. I wasn't going to get my IB diploma. And I remembered my sisters went through this and look how they ended up. (laughs) They're fine. (laughs) My sister ended up not getting her diploma when it came to the IB diploma, at least. She did graduate high school. (laughs) So how have your friends and family helped you throughout your study? My mom and my brother 
as gifted as they are, have tried to help me with my math, but it really just doesn't work out because this book is horrible. <laughs> my friends are there to help me out when I'm struggling with my homework because they're in the same boat as I am. They know what I'm going through. And we can talk about our teachers and everything. And it's it's good to have them around to get that kind of stuff off of your chest. And at the same time, it's good to have them there for not necessarily answers, but to guide you through that class because they actually understand what's going on when I don't. Has there been any one moment where you have had someone say, Helen, take a break, and you've just realized someone's just pulled you out of it, pulled you out of whatever funk you were in? I have had one friend do that, or we were both struggling a lot with everything we had going on because we were both in like the full IB program. It's, so we're taking all these IB classes and the workload just got absolutely out of control. And I was working constantly. I would stay up until two o'clock in the morning doing my math homework. We had a biology project called um, the group four where we had to make our own experiment in this topic of energy, which was horrible, by the way. <laughs> I don't know anything about energy, but I was just losing it. I would get two hours of sleep every day. I'd get to school and I would cry. I'd get home and I would just work constantly. I would be absolutely burnt out every single day. And I had nothing to look forward to. I, As soon as I got home, I knew I had to work. As soon as I got to school, I knew I had so much work to learn and do. And it freaked me out. It really did. I just got to the point where I would be scared going to school because I knew if I don't do this, if I don't have this done, I can't go to school. I'm going to fail that, which is okay. And I should have mm -hmm. realized that. But I had a friend who was going through the exact same thing. And she had to tell me, please take a break. <laughs> and I ended up telling her the same thing. But it's important to just relax. Even if you have so much work to do, you can't overwork yourself like I did. What are you hoping for people to get from this story? Part of me hopes that whoever listens to this doesn't make the same mistakes that I did when it comes to just doing nothing when I got home instead of working freshman and sophomore year and just figuring out how to get get things together and do what works for them but still gets things done and the same goes for going through something really tough like I would just bottle things up and I wouldn't tell anybody for years after it happened and I realized that that's not the best way to go about that. It's important to let things go when it comes to feeling emotions, you know? You can't just bottle it up forever and pretend like it didn't happen, which is something that I recently figured out. So I'm hoping that whoever is listening to this realizes that it's okay to feel angry and upset. It's okay to, to feel these emotions, these big, strong emotions when it comes to bad memories and trauma. And you don't have to get over it immediately. It, it's going to take a lot of time. And it's important to just kind of go through that, that period of upset and hurt and anger. So what do you think that the future holds for you? Where do you see yourself maybe after you've graduated? You know, just what do you want to be working on? After I graduate, um, you know, after I go to a good college and all of that. I'm going to have to end up getting my master's at least. 
So I'm hoping that I can really go through that. What do you think that adults can get out of your story? To be honest, even though I am still a child, I'm still learning. And hopefully adults listening to this can see that kids can go through the same struggles that they do. And hopefully parents might hear this and realize that it's it's necessary to talk to your kids about things like actual sit-downs, discussions about mental health and just life issues that I went through, like bullying. And honestly, in the workplace, I'm pretty sure adults can, can use a bit of that time management, even though I don't have it perfected. I, I know that very much. It's definitely some advice, and I may not know how helpful that is, but it is something of use. <laughs> so just keep communicating, keeping communications open and continuing to try time management and anything else without being perfect. Yes, said that better than I could. (laughs) What is your advice to, although you're not much younger, (laughs) but your younger self and what do you wish you would have known going into high school, going into your future? I wish I would have known that I will be dragged down by stuff that's happened in the past. And as much as it may have hurt, I'm fine. And I will be fine. And school is going to kick my butt. And high school, it may not be that serious, but it's enough to stress me out quite a bit. <laughs> and I'm, it's, I just need to talk to my friends about things. I need to talk to classmates. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go get help with stuff, whether it be like a mental health professionalist or just a teacher, a boss, you know, a coworker. It's okay to struggle. And I wish I would have known that as a kid. I would go through my math class just stunned. And I was terrified of asking a question because my wonderful, wonderful math teacher (laughs) would just kind of make me feel stupid. And that's what I was so scared of in every single class. I thought the minute... I reach out, people are going to think I'm dumb because I don't know what I'm doing. So being a leader is about more than knowing everything and taking on everything. It's about asking for help and reaching out. Oh, yeah. To me, a lot of leadership is growing. You have to understand you're not perfect as you are. You need to grow in life. You need to realize your flaws, what you can do better with. And a lot of that just comes with time and looking back on your past as Like what you hear? Become a supporter of Leadership Requested. Subscribe to the Leadership Requested podcast, and while you're there, leave us a five-star review. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening, and catch us next Wednesday on Leadership Requested. Your leadership has been requested. Are you ready?